I'm Jen. I'm Jack. And you're listening to The Devil Made Me Review It. We're just a couple of best friends who love scary movies. Especially when those movies are based on true events. Listen along as we dive into our favorite films, the classics we all love, and really, whatever we want. We'll tell you all about the paranormal claims made by the real-life subjects and debate whether or not it actually happened. It probably didn't happen. I knew you were going to say that. Listen, if you haven't seen whatever we're covering, pause and come back after watching because spoilers abound. That's right. Sit back and enjoy. The Devil Made Me Review It. (laughs) Hi, Jen. Hi, Jack. How are you? I'm great. How are you? I'm fine. Nothing exciting to report here. How are you? I did have... A very exciting week. I went to the dentist and I had a retreat done, which means the second root canal on the same tooth. Oh, that's really cool. The dent, the guy that did it was like super nice. And we were laying there and you know, how like they give you the shots and then you have to like kind of chill. And I was talking to him and like this like older lady that is his like assistant person. And we were talking about how like spam calls how like people you know everybody's getting spam calls yeah it's like worse when you get older and he was telling me he was like oh my partner my partner he got like a call from like his own number he was like um he was like yeah my my partner he like kept seeing my partner and i was like oh you're gay and he just (laughs) looked at me and was like what and i was like oh and he goes, my partner, like the other endodontist that works here. <laughs> and I was like, oh, my God. Because I was going to be like, I'm gay, too. You know, like, I thought we were having a moment. And I was having the moment by myself. And this, like, lady, like, you know, I'm sure she lives, like, in, like, the outskirts of San Diego, which is, like, Trumpville. But we just kept moving after that. Like, it didn't happen. <laughs> oh my god that's good that's really really funny (laughs) it would have been so cool if you'd been gay (laughs) i was like so excited about that no ma'am um i mean my partner in dental hygiene not in life in business before you gays took it over (laughs) wow you just were very nice and non-creepy so i assumed that you were a gay man happy pride i guess it's not pride anymore but <laughs> it was when it happened oh there you go that's good okay so what are we talking about today today we're talking about the most recent of the conjuring films which is the conjuring the devil made me do it pretty exciting stuff give you a quick summary everyone's favorite Paranormal investigators Ed and Lorraine Warren take on one of the most sensational cases of their career after a cop stumbles upon a dazed and bloodied young man walking down the road. Accused of murder, the suspect claims demonic possession as his defense, forcing the Warrens into a supernatural inquiry unlike anything they've ever seen before. So there you go. This one. What do you think about this one? Mm, no, it, it was like it was kind of boring i wasn't really into it yeah i think of the main three this one is the weakest link i think it gets away from itself pretty quickly yes trying to do a lot of things it gets very convoluted 
Um, it felt to me a little bit like they were focusing more on the potential spinoff mm-hmm. from this film than the actual story that that inspired it. Uh, w- yeah. Which is fine. I don't, you know, whatever. But it felt like there was that they reached a little bit too far for a potential spinoff with this whole witch subplot. Yeah. It was very strange. I feel like they do that in all of them. I feel like they all end pretty much the same way where it's like Ed says the demon's name and then it goes back to hell. And then it's like this like neat little demon bow, you know? Yeah. Um, Although that's not how this one ended though, because they smash her altar or whatever it is. And that's how, that's how they get her in this one. I literally always forget that, that witch person is like in it because it really has like it's like a different story it, it it is i mean this whole movie felt like honestly it, it kind of feels like four different stories because you've got uh the the possession in the in the beginning the murder due to possession <laughs> second then this kind of uh detour into another potential murder that also is could be connected because a witch's totem was found at both again folks if you haven't watched the movie just come come on back because we're diving we're, we're going right in and and there's no time to explain <laughs> spoilers always <laughs> always 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 so yeah you got uh david glatz glatzel's possession the Arnie Johnson murdering the guy, this potential other two girls where one of them is murdered and the other one they never found. And then the whole witch thing. And it's just a lot. It's like a lot to try and, and piece together. And I don't think they did a great job. I think it was too many things. Yeah. I think if they had stuck with the occult, which like the occult is always safe. Totally. I am always going to be like, yeah, Satanist did it. Like if they had just gone that route and made it like tied to the house, they could have even if they really wanted to tie in like the disappearance of the girls or whatever, they could have done that if they had tied it back to the occult. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I mean, I guess that's what they did. I guess that's what they were trying to do, because ultimately it is this this witch or the occultist, as they call her, is the one who's making all of this happen because she's put some curse on the family. And Forgive me if I'm wrong, but did they ever explain why she put a, a curse on on the family? Right. I, I can't. I honestly can't remember. So much happened that I can't. Like, I think. Okay, so hear me out. And I I rewatched it. <laughs> I still don't remember. <laughs> I didn't. I watched it twice, like um, a couple weeks ago, and I was like, I'm not watching this again. Yeah, I watched it um, the other day. I think if they had made it people, like if the occult were people that were performing rituals. If they had mm. stolen the girls and killed the one and still had the other one and they tied it back, mm-hmm. then like it would have made sense that the two stories were put together. But like then it wasn't like, I, yeah, not that I remember. Uh, yeah, it's it's a lot. There's just there's a lot going on. And yeah. I, I like I said, I do. I think that it was all to serve what is probably going to be a spinoff because that's kind of what they do right it's they introduce a character that's not related to the story that's being told so that they can tie them together and then have that like the nun or annabelle and they're all tied together right because the whole universe is so i feel like we're probably going to get uh a movie 
showcasing the occultist in a few years <laughs> if, if they haven't already made it. I wish they would just do separate stories for them. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I get the format, but I'm, uh, I don't know. I feel like I'm just like, oh, this means I have to watch another one. You know what I mean? Like at the <laughs> yeah. end, I'm like, son of a bitch. <laughs> um, the nun is probably my favorite because I think she's like kind of the most fun, you know? Sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. Spirit Halloween nun. I just think that <laughs> she's like silly. She, she's like 90s Halloween to me. Yeah. I did like in this movie, I always love Vera Farmiga. I think she's fantastic. And I think that she's the heart and soul of everything she's in. And <laughs> I did like that she got to be a little bit sassy in this movie, which was kind of fun. Oh, yeah. I love that scene when they're in the when they go off on the detour to the, the story of the two girls and she's in the police precinct and the cop is like, here's three knives. And if you can pick which one was the murder weapon and Ed gets all mad and he's like, she's not a sideshow attraction. That's not how he talks. <laughs> but I imagine that's how the real Ed talked. Just looking at him. I bet the, I bet that's how he talked. It's like a little bit Jimmy Stewart. Um, I heard Vaudeville. <laughs> It's like yeah. wrong era, but I'm I'm here for it. <laughs> and she picks the knife, you know, real easily. And all the other, all the cops that are on the other side of the office are just nodding their heads, like mm-hmm, like they believed her the whole time. <laughs> and and then they're in the car, and Elvis is on the radio, and she's like, "I met Elvis once." And the cop says, "Before or after he died?" And she says, "Before and after." <laughs> Oh my god! And then she tells him he misses the turn where the body, where they found the body, because she knows. Yeah, you're right. She is the best part, and she does get to like. I feel like she gave. She becomes. She has like herself in Lorraine because I don't know mm-hmm. that Lorraine really had that much dimension to her. You know, I, I think they were yeah. pretty much scammers. For yeah, the I don't part. know. I think Lorraine probably maybe did have a little bit because I think she was probably the one that that would um. Because she, everybody said she was really nice. So I think she was the mm. one that would kind of make them feel comfortable. And then Ed was sort of the... Snake oil. Yeah, the one who... The mastermind. So spooky things. So yeah, you're right. That stuff didn't happen. The witch stuff, that's all made up for the Conjuring 4. Right. Like, <laughs> whatever the fuck they're going to call that one. It'll be called The Occultist, I'm sure. <laughs> oh, I don't need another witch movie. Like... I mean, I like them, but like, I, I just like ghost movies. Like, I find them, they're fun, you mm-hmm. know? Um, so, yeah. So, that is not real. Uh, and neither are the missing murdered girls. That's not real either. So, all of right. that was, all of that extra was made up. So, the real story is um, is based in the 80s, early 80s, in Brookfield, Connecticut. Uh, and so, it's all about Arnie Cheyenne Johnson, the first demonic possession case in the states the first time somebody tried to use it as a as a yeah. defense right yeah and it worked like it got into like pre-trial so the beginning of the film starts off with the possession of david glatzel um and this was in the 80s so the glatzels the the way that he kind of got possessed was that um they had gone to clean up like a rental unit they'd purchased um and while they were there david was like 11 he said he saw he saw a spirit of an old man and that the spirit pushed him david's parents became angry with him like i guess they were like irritated and saying that he made it up to get out of doing chores and david told him that um told his whole family that the spirit told him that if they moved into the house that the spirit would hurt them 
So they moved in because he's going to listen to an 11 <laughs> year old. Doesn't want to fucking that's, clean. That's really interesting that you say that at first they were pissed at him and they thought he was lying because they changed their tune later. But I'll get into that when I get into my segment. <laughs> of course. I feel like the parents are always kind of turdy in these situations, <laughs> yeah. you know? Uh, so he continued to see the old man sometimes as a demonic beast so that, uh, that spoke Latin, which makes me wonder, did he speak? Do the kids speak Latin? I don't know. <laughs> How do they know that he was speaking Latin? Did they watch The Exorcist? Like Probably. Everybody had seen The Exorcist. <laughs> I guess so, yeah. It was like, this was, so this was actually during like the satanic panic time. Right. Like this it, would have been like right at the start of it because, yeah. yeah. And everybody saw The Exorcist. It was a huge hit and everybody knew about this shit. When did so, The Heretic yeah. come out? Because Exorcist was 73. Um, Oh, it's The Exorcist 2. 77. Yeah. Sorry, I didn't realize that it that The Exorcist 2 was part of it. Yeah, The Heretic was the second Exorcist film, and it came out in 1977. And then The Exorcist 3, and that one's fun. It's like spooky. <laughs> um, So he was see, still seeing this, seeing this beast that was like speaking in Latin. The Clatzel family, um, they, saw, they soon saw that David was like behaving strangely. Um, he would... He began to have seizures. He had bizarre injuries, growling, hissing, and talking about passages from the Bible. Yikes. The family, so the mom, Judy Glatzel, described her son's tormentor as a man with big black eyes, a thin face with animal features, jagged teeth, pointed ears, horns, and hooves. That is like a lot. That's a lot of things. And it's a lot of everything that everyone says about like the devil. Exactly. You know? Who I don't think is actually like part beast. Like, is that real in the Bible? Is any of it real? <laughs> Touche. <laughs> Jerk. <laughs> okay. <laughs> please, please continue. <laughs> so the next part is that the family called the Catholic Church, asked for an exorcism to be performed. The church would not do it. And then they called Ed and Lorraine, who I didn't realize lived in Connecticut like this whole time. Like, I know that the, the house is there. So the pair later claimed that during the exorcism they performed on David, that he levitated, predicted the murder Johnson would commit, and was choked by invisible hands. So in IRL, supposedly... Glatzel was actually inhabited by like 42 demons. So, yeah, I believe in our last episode, I said that that we had found out that multiple devils existed in our research <laughs> of, the, of the Perrin family, but it was actually this one and everything exists in a time machine and we watched these movies out of order. So that was that was my bad and my confusion. This is the the time when we found out that there are multiple devils. <laughs> Yeah, the mom's story changed and it became like 42 demons and two devils or something. So yeah. that's not very Catholic of her. <laughs> I don't think that's how that works. Um, it is also significant to point out that not even the real life account provides an accurate number of demons or an explanation of their identities. So who knows? The mother eventually raised the number to 43 demons and two devils. Sorry, I said 42. The Glatzels reportedly get it, learned... Get it right, please. We're here to talk about factual information. Uh, so they learned this during the lesser exorcisms. Teared. She's, they're torturing. She's torturing her child for clout is like essentially what's happening. Yeah. The, the Warrens called. That's what they referred to like 
the other exorcisms. They were uh, deliverance performed by like local parish priests. Mm-hmm. But the Bridgeport, Connecticut bishop would not authorize like an official exorcism. Um, so one of the scares in the movie that I think is the most memorable, which you had mentioned, is the waterbed scene. Right. You know what I'm talking about? The hands. Yep. I was like, the hand that comes out of the waterbed. The trash bag hands. That's what they look like. <laughs> it looks like if he like you're in a pool and you put your hand in trash bags you know like yeah yeah it's just ridiculous also the little boy that plays david glatzel looks like a 40 year old man playing a little boy <laughs> i love that actor his name's julian hillard hilliard i love him he's great he's Maybe it's the glasses. In, he does have he does have uh little old man glasses uh mm-hmm. but he is so good he was in well he was on WandaVision. He plays one of the sons. And he was in The Haunting of Hill House, which was a great series. Oh, I didn't I didn't watch that because I heard that at first I wanted to because they're lesbians and then I didn't want to because I heard one of them dies and I was like, no, thank you. <laughs> well, lots of like people die in the movie, I guess. It's, it's about ghosts, so there's lots of dead. <laughs> but most of them are already dead, right? I don't want to give anything away. We're not talking about that, so I don't want to spoil that. That I already did for anyone. Dead, dead lesbians is what happens. <laughs> it's a love story, much like dead this lesbians. Movie. <laughs> that is incorrect to anyone who does want to go watch that. It's not what happens. <laughs> that is the reason that I won't watch it, though. Got it. So, actor Michael Chaves. I think I think that's how you say his last name. He also did the Curse of La Llorona, which we'll cover eventually. And wait, who is uh, he in this? He's the director. Oh, he's so the he's, director. He's, so I'm sorry. Um, he's commenting on the waterbed scene. Got it. So that scene was inspired by a true event. And I was like, what? Um, so, the, But it was that there was a bed in the house when the Glatzel family had moved in and they believed that it was like how he came to, David came to host like the... Mm the demon which i think in the movie they also the bed is there and they just kept it because remember the girl is like oh yeah we just kept it here right because that's how they find the totem under the house is they think it's water damage or something from the bed right yeah because there was a stain on the bed which like i'm sorry any bed in a fucking house i'm gonna like put outside set on fire especially a water bed gross oh i it wasn't a water bed in this in the in reality in reality oh disgusting yeah my friend had a water (laughs) my friend had a water bed once and we were this is when um, i used to smoke weed and we were smoking weed and like we fell asleep and we were eating candy bars that were shaped like santa right so they're like in tinfoil and we i remember waking up and like looking to my side you know because the water bed's heated right and between (laughs) the water bed like like the thing with the water in it and like the bed frame yeah the chocolate was in there (laughs) (laughs) melted and it looked like a diaper like it was so so gross just little just i'm upset that you were i'm upset that you were eating in bed anyway that's disgusting well i was in high school first of all so we had to hide in her room there was like nowhere else to go there. What are you supposed to do? You hang out in friends' rooms and smoke weed and eat candy. <sighs> You're so judgmental right now. <laughs> I think people who eat in bed are gross. Okay, but I agree. I'm not doing it now. I'm just I saying. know you're not doing it now. I'm just letting everyone know where I stand on this issue. <laughs> oh, no Jethro Tull for you. No. No crackers in the bed. 
Ugh. Anyway, I'm sure David <laughs> ate crackers in his bed. He probably pissed the demon off that way. <laughs> That's why. Right. Uh, so at one point, um, Debbie Glatzel felt really unsafe in the home. And she asked her 19-year-old boyfriend, Arnie Cheyenne Johnson, to move into the home. Uh, Johnson was present at one of the exorcisms. And in an attempt to protect the boy, he encouraged the demon to enter his body instead. So the Warren said that Arnie, um, they warned him, I'm sorry, they warned him not to do this, that it was like the worst thing you can do. So he did it anyway. So, so after that, uh, <laughs> Debbie, I know, he's just a goddamn idiot. Like people, Cocky motherfucker. If, if you know, you know, you don't ask anything in. They're like fucking vampires, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so they had moved out of the Gladwell home, Debbie and Arnie, I guess, to protect themselves. But it was too late. This is this is the article. It's like creepy catalog or something. The article was really good. Like it was <laughs> I was like, oh, this sounds real. Jack's going to ruin that for me in like a 10 minute. <laughs> <laughs> So Johnson began to experience many of the same symptoms as David. So Debbie Glatzel later testified that they also call him Cheyenne, which you pointed out to me because I was confused. I was like, who the fuck is Cheyenne Johnson? Yeah, his his full name is Arnie Cheyenne Johnson. And so sometimes he's referred to as Arnie. And, and in the movie, he's only referred to as Arnie. But in real life, it seems like people that were close to him called him Cheyenne. I think that's why it was confusing because I was just expecting the movie to be right, which was dumb of me um (laughs) and that's on you (laughs) so she said that he would go into a trance he would growl and say he was the beast and that later he would have no memory of it it was just like david she said now i would have left there's so many instances in people's stories where i would have been like i'm leaving Mm -hmm. if my boyfriend were growling and telling me he was the beast I'd want to get him checked out. Like, I'd be like, this is not normal behavior. No. Um, so also in the Discovery Channel documentary, A Haunting, have you ever seen those? No. Dude, they're so good. They're so, so bad. Yeah. But they're amazing. And they do reenactments. And like, they're low-key kind of scary. Okay, I'm in. Um, so in the Discovery Channel documentary, it was claimed that Johnson actually that a few days after the exorcism of David, um, that the demonic force within him forced him to crash his car into a tree. So as it was seen in the film, soon after uh, all of this was happening, Johnson stabbed Alan Bono, his landlord, and the employer of his girlfriend. Uh, after drinking, they came back to the house. In the movie, they came back to the house. In real life, Arnie had called out of work and gone to his girlfriend's work, which was at the kennel. And Bono was there. They had gone out to drink. Her sisters were there. Like her family was there with them. And they came back and something, it was like kind of hard to understand, but there was a confrontation between Johnson and Bono. And Bono was like holding on to like the young, the nine-year-old cousin and would not let go. Yeah. which was like weird and also like i I definitely would have like punched him in the face maybe not stabbed him many times but yeah that was what set it off um so arnie stabbed him multiple multiple times i think it was like 22 times it was like something excessive um including a gash that went from trigger warning bono's stomach to his heart so he like gutted this man gutted him Yeah. yeah like a fish 
Uh, so that's, there's nothing about that that like is not heat of the moment. If you stab someone in the heat of the moment, I imagine it's like once or twice, you know, like a pew pew, bye, you know? Yeah. Not that much. But it did make me wonder if there was like some like triggered trauma, like, you know, like him not letting go of the child. Yeah. You know what I mean? Totally. The case reached international attention over the next what happened after that and that was uh ed and lorraine came in and they told the police that he was possessed and that it was from that case and then they used it in the trial in the movie johnson is really possessed thanks to the witch uh, who the put the curse on the glatzel's house and it also leaks leaks the case those are those are all just for the film neither of those things are real the witch or the murdered and missing girl right okay what do you got I'm ready. I'm ready for you to just myth bust all this. You're ready for us. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think they do a pretty good job of uh, myth busting it themselves. Um, <laughs> Usually that's not... the case, right? Right, right. Yeah, the the, the Glatzel family, uh, interesting bunch. They didn't really talk to many people. Uh, I, I read this article in the Washington Post that was written by uh, Lynn Darling, and it was – just the article came out right after uh, the murder, like while the trial was happening. So the yeah, the Glatzels didn't didn't really talk to anybody. They didn't have very many friends in town. They kind of kept to themselves. And the mom, Judy Glatzel, was pretty pretty into paranormal study and was interested in it and was already a fan of Ed and Lorraine. She had gone to uh, hear them do lectures before. And when she was interviewed for this article in the Washington Post, she said that she instantly believed David. So as I said earlier, when you said that they they were doubtful of his claims, now she's saying that she instantly believed him and that she thought right away that it was a ghost. And the Warrens immediately thought differently a quote from ed says right away i knew there was something to this i felt like a good fisherman when he knows there's something on the line and i bet you fucking did i bet he saw dollar signs flashing in his eyes i just imagine like a cartoon when they have like the slot machines in the eyes right and it's like and (laughs) (laughs) sorry my mute was on i was laughing the whole time i think you're funny i'm sorry And uh, oh, and so here's an interesting tidbit: the Warrens were actually invited this time. Normally, <laughs> they just show up. Normally, they just show up, you know, because they've read about it or something, or somebody has telephoned them on the Ghostbuster hotline, and they, <laughs> but they were invited because Judy was a fan, so Judy had him come in, and so at first, it seems from what I could tell from uh, a few different sources that. Until the Warrens got involved, all the claims that the family was making about David's behavior was happening to him at night. So he was it, w- it would only happen at night, which makes me think that he was having night terrors and sleep paralysis and maybe even was maybe had like epilepsy or, or something. But all of this was happening at night and the family would stay up all night and would sleep during the day so that they could stay up all night and like pin him down to his bed and they didn't really start changing uh, talking about things happening during the day until the Warrens got involved. And then 
and then other things started started coming about about like they said that there were signs when the beast is what they called it uh was about to take over david's uh david's body and he would lower his head to his chest and then lift it up slowly and his features <laughs> would contort and he would snarl and he would laugh and it's like very cinematic straight out of the exorcist right it's very very cinematic um so so yeah and david um there's not really it's there's not much that's known about him now he's been pretty off the grid for a long long time um but his brother carl has been pretty vocal about the fact that this was not demonic possession that his brother was clearly suffering from some sort of mental health issue that did end up resolving itself. He said that he he's fine now, and whatever this was was something that plagued him in his childhood, and then he ended up being fine. So seems like he's a he ended up being a pretty well adjusted guy, but he doesn't talk to anybody. He moved away. Carl also moved out of Connecticut because he was sick of everybody talking about it. He said it ruined their family. And oh wow. Carl and David actually sued Gerald Brittle and Lorraine Warren over the book, The Devil in Connecticut. So Gerald Brittle wrote it and the Warrens helped him write it. And they had done a re, so that was in 1983, and they republished the book in 2006. And so the brothers sued them in 2007 for libel, but the case ended up being dismissed. And the agreement was that the book would be taken out of print. So the book is no longer in print and you can only buy it from, you know, people like private sellers on the internet. And it goes for like $300 or more for a copy of this friggin' book. You can just look up ghost stories. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Right. And as you said, a formal exorcism was never, actually performed on david it was deliverances right these sort of lesser exorcisms and the reason that the church never approved a a formal exorcism is because judy and the dad refused to consent to david having the psychological tests that are required by the church before you can have an exorcism oh shit yeah so she she was like paranoid about that and said, they just want to stick needles in my kid and there's no way in hell they're going to do that. And she said, if people honestly believe in Jesus Christ, our Lord, then they have to believe in the devil. Besides, this world is being controlled by the devil. Look at the drugs, the prostitution, the gambling and the violence. The devil is in charge of all of it. So there's that's Judy for you. So, I saw that quote. I almost brought it up. <laughs> <laughs> You'd have been like this bitch. She read my notes somehow. <laughs> so the next thing I want to talk about is Arnie and Debbie. Oh, man. These two. So Debbie is seven years older than Arnie. Just to put that into context. So when this murder happened, he was 19. You mentioned that, I think, earlier. She was 26. So this is a 26-year-old woman in a relationship with a 19-year-old boy. They met when he was 12. (gasps) She was 19. At the supermarket, she knocked over some display. He helped her pick it up. And according to her, it was 
love at first sight for Arnie. But she was like, no, no, we can't do this, 12-year-old. So what she did instead was she struck up a friendship with Arnie's mom, Mary. And the two of them would take Arnie's younger siblings and Debbie's younger siblings to the beach and they would hang out. And then when Arnie was 16, let's keep doing our math, Debbie's 23 at this time, he asks her out and she says yes and they fall in love. And that's that's all according to her. So they started dating when he was 16 and she was 23. Just strange stuff. So, you know, when you're saying like, you know, if a, if a romantic partner was ever, you know, doing all of this crazy shit, you would leave. They already had a bizarre relationship from the start. Yeah. Arnie had dropped out of school at this point because his, um, his mom had gotten, or no, sorry, she hadn't gotten, she, his mom got sick eventually, but uh, he had dropped out of school just to try and help her make ends meet. Um, she was a single mom and there was a few kids in the family. And Debbie had moved in with the Johnsons, with Arnie's family, because it was closer to her work. And then Arnie's mom got sick and had to quit her job. And so Debbie and Arnie basically got put into this sort of mom and dad role, taking care of Arnie's younger siblings. And Mary and Debbie both said that he was just like such a good kid all the time. He was always so good. And Debbie says that that was actually his biggest problem was that he was too good. But according to some other folks in the town, they described him as a young man who was quick to anger, extremely possessive of the woman he calls his wife, because they weren't actually married at the time, a man who once ripped a small stuffed animal to shreds with a knife after an argument at the tree service where he worked. Oh. So he's got a... He's got a... A love for stabbing. (laughs) (laughs) I guess you could call it that. Yeah. And there was an ambulance driver who came to the scene after he had stabbed the landlord who testified that he heard Debbie say to her father, who had shown up to to help, she said, oh, daddy, he didn't mean to do it. You know how he gets when he's been drinking. So it's just... you know I'll never believe that anybody was possessed by the devil, but this really seems like a clear-cut case of somebody who, like you said, probably has some trauma and mm. has some anger issues and it seems like he's kind of violent. He was still only convicted of first-degree manslaughter because they said that he didn't uh, – they didn't think that he had – intended to murder this guy they just intended he just intended to hurt him but as we've now heard he was gutted you don't do that if you're just trying to hurt somebody like that's that's wild so he was only uh only convicted of manslaughter sentenced to 10 to 20 years only ended up serving five and i think it was actually less than five and he got out on good behavior in 86. So I guess the moral of this story is that if you are a white guy, you can get away with anything. <laughs> right. You just, you blame the devil a little. <laughs> yeah. And you be real nice and you're done. Yeah. So, so no, there's no devil here. I, yeah, I think there's no devil here. I think that this is, uh, this is a guy that has some, some trauma and some anger and 
something snapped and he killed somebody over it. And I think poor little David Glatzel was suffering from something. And rather than his family go get him the treatment that would have helped him, they called in a bunch of priests. I mean, he was also like a how he was 11 and he was also like getting a lot of attention like that's like a weird time for all little kids you know mm-hmm. yeah yeah pretty wild Jesus. stop fucking up your kids y'all like <laughs> just leave the ghosts <laughs> and the demons out of it like just let them live <laughs> take it to a let damn therapist <laughs> get them the help they need they're not a f- yeah. they don't need a fucking priest oh that was another thing sorry i didn't mention this was that she said, Judy said that she had taken David to a psychiatrist once and he charged her $75 an hour, which is a lot of money in, in the 80s, and said that he wanted to bring the whole family in. And she was like, oh. absolutely, absolutely not. Therapy, they didn't do it. <sighs> That's sad. Yeah, it's upsetting. Well, and the fact that like the boys sued right. them now. Which they yeah. should have won. Like they were exploited. Yeah. I didn't I didn't find the details of why that case ended up being dismissed, but it it did. It didn't go anywhere. I mean, I guess it's in the same way that you can't prove that you were possessed, you can't really prove that you weren't, you know. Right. Yeah, and I don't think we said that they didn't actually let him use the demonic possession uh defense. They the judge shut that down uh in pretrial. And they had to go with a with a self-defense angle instead. Oh, funny. I do know that the Warrens tried and like the I think it was the Warrens and the lawyers, but they tried to um, get priests from like the Vatican or whatever um, to help them to like testify. But they couldn't. They, they were yeah, like, they no. weren't allowed. The, ch- the church wouldn't let any of the priests that that did come and interview the family or do any of these deliverances the church wouldn't let them talk about it. So that also makes it difficult because when people were, even just when reporters were trying to corroborate stories, the priests were, you know, keeping a tight lip and they weren't saying anything. So, you know, typical Catholic church shit. What are your feelings in general? I mean, I know that you aren't like a a religious man, but (laughs) (laughs) exorcisms in general, possessions. I think that a lot of times... Possession is is attributed to things like schizophrenia, epilepsy, mm-hmm. head trauma, brain tumors, substance abuse. There's so many things that can make a person behave erratically. And I think that it, it just it, when that happens in a family or in a community that is very religious, Rather than looking into what those things might be, they just slap a possession label on it. Mm. And I think that exorcisms most of the time are just abuse, you know? I mean, like there are are so many cases of people getting really hurt or even dying. I read about a woman in Indiana who suffocated her son while she was holding <sighs> him down and forcing him to drink vinegar and olive oil because she thought he was possessed and she was doing some, you know, DIY exorcism on him. And she got convicted of murder. That was in 2011. There was another guy in Arizona who almost choked his three-year-old granddaughter to death because he was trying to perform an exorcism on her and he ended up being shot by the police. Like, I think that so often 
exorcisms really are just just this weird form of abuse <laughs> and yeah. and a lot of times i think that that religious people or priests who perform these types of things will say that it works and that the behavior stops but that could just be and i think is because this person has been like shocked basically into i mean this is like a traumatic traumatic thing and a lot of times when they're when when they're performing exorcisms they they won't let the person eat for several days they'll have the, they'll like make them fast sometimes they use drugs or other you know potions and things and all of that will affect your brain and body functioning and then on top of it you you have all of this you know all this stuff going on around you and it's very traumatic mm. and that sometimes that can make these especially if the person who's who's having the exorcism performed on them is a religious person as well that it might just snap them out of it you know out of yeah and so yeah i don't i uh i'm not a fan i'm not a fan of the exorcism <laughs> as a practice i guess is what i'm saying <laughs> neither am i i i like the movie i like the movie mm-hmm. yeah but that's it yeah not into it don't like it no it's definitely like a way to i don't know like get out of i don't know i you know maybe in a way it's like the church validating i mean in order to have you know good you have to have evil so it gives right. you you know and they're like super secretive about it which just mm -hmm. you know adds more mysticism to all of it exactly um, exactly but yeah spooky yeah so yeah this movie <laughs> um <laughs> although you know i will say they did use they used one of my favorite uh devices which is the creepy crawly hand i do love a creepy crawly hand and they you did that twice i like a hand I like a creepy crawly hand they did that twice in this movie which was almost too many times but um <laughs> I, I did like in the shower scene in the beginning with david when he's looking up at the rings and it's kind of dark and this whole movie's dark i had to adjust my tv so many that. times yeah um they the he's looking up at the shower rings and the and one of them ends up being a hand and it and it creeps back and then the shower rains blood on him like psycho and <laughs> And then what was the second? Oh, and the second time we see the hands is when Lorraine is in the woods when they're on the detour investigating the two girls. She's in in the woods and goes into her clairvoyant vision and sees the hand come around on the tree. And I thought that was pretty, pretty spooky. Her visions are spooky. Um, I feel like the scenes with David reminded me a lot of Sixth Sense. Oh, sure. Yeah. Like a lot of it was like very similar. The little wait, this one did not have the tent, huh? That was in the that was in Enfield. The tent was, was a little like uh, yeah, that was Enfield. Was I Enfield? think that was the second yeah. one. I mean, I still got like six cents vibes from totally from it. By the yeah. way, I rewatched that movie recently. It holds up. It's really good, dude. I it's really good. Donnie Wahlberg, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm unrecognizable completely i like i didn't know until probably like 10 years ago that that was him yeah yeah that's crazy yeah and now he's just crazy. like a weirdo on reality tv i mean that that whole family is problematic at best yeah so the conjuring the devil made me do it i what how many screams you give it i'm going to 
And I'm being nice. Yeah. Two. I I would say 2.5 only because, again, I think Vera Farmiga is just great. My two stars are for her. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. Well, I'm, <laughs> I guess I'm being a little more generous. <laughs> Vera Farmiga and Creepy Crawly Hands. So I'll give it two and a half. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Mine are just, they're just for her. They're just for her. Great. Fantastic. Vera, we're, we love you. I'm sure she's we, listening. Right. <laughs> We have three reviews on uh, iTunes, so yes, thank you to to those who have reviewed. Thank you to everybody who's listened. We have had lots of uh, friends reach out, and we really do appreciate it. Again, let us know what you think. The reviews are are very helpful, and um, and yeah, let us know what you think. If you have movies you want us to cover next week, we're going to talk about the Blair Witch Project, which I'm very excited about. Me too. Well, plus we that we both live there, so yep. in Maryland. We both, yeah, we both grew up in Maryland, so we have a a good a, a particular connection to that to that film. Um, and it's and a we fun were, like, one. In high school when it came out, so like yes. we were yeah. like so, driving around the entities. Yeah, we were really the target audience for that movie. Right. <laughs> <laughs> nightmares. Definitely, we lived in the woods. It was nightmares. Driving driving around in backwoods because that's literally all there was to do we would just yeah. get in our car and get in one of our cars and just drive around at night in the woods smoking lots of cigarettes <laughs> all i miss being cigarettes. able to do that i wish i could still smoke <laughs> i know right <laughs> sounds good right now sounds great <laughs> yeah, yeah i'm excited about that also um if anyone else wants to leave a review please do and again if you have anything mean to say please contact jack because i can't handle it <laughs> You can send us an email, devil made me review it at gmail.com. Just make sure you put my attention jack in the subject yes. line if you have was, complaints or negative feedback. <laughs> Thank <laughs> Don't you. bother Jen with that shit. Right. Uh, my anxiety is bad enough. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'll talk to you later. Bye. Okay, bye. Thanks for listening. You can find us on Instagram at the devil made me review it or send us an email at the devil made me review it at gmail.com. Hold up. 